Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm feeling pretty good. It's always nice to feel good when your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers, even though there are some uh, some things I can go on a, bit, a little bit of a rant on, I feel like, on this show. This is going to have some piss and vinegar in this show, I feel like, considering some of the things that have happened around Jets fandom in the last couple days. But before we do any of that, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are on all those places. We're also on YouTube at the Jet Press. You can subscribe there. You can get notified whenever we go live. We're also on TikTok at the Jet Press. We are starting to grow there. We've had some pretty good response over the last couple of days. You can check out little short videos over there if you are of the TikTok persuasion. But for those of the YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, ever maybe watching, maybe you're driving home late at work. Uh, late from work on the podcast maybe you're driving to work the next day if you're listening for the audio format let's get into this show and let's start off with more reality tv mongering because right before the show started what we all thought was going to happen officially happened hard knocks is coming to florham park the new york jets will be on hard knocks for the first time since the 2010 season when rex ryan was the coach and this has kind of caused a jet press schism, a great divide between these two co-hosts. The Civil War, if you will. The Civil War, Captain America Civil War, if you will, where we're just staring at each other like this, some angry format. That's what we're doing. This is great audio. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I'm sure everyone listening. Yeah, the podcast listeners are going to be tearing their hair yeah. out right now. But uh, And that, the reason for that schism is because I am firmly – against hard knocks not in some like everybody involved with it deserves to be publicly flogged not in that sort of with that level of vitriol but as someone who just doesn't find the show entertaining on a base level that probably just colors my persuasion mostly because i'm not a reality tv guy and i feel like a lot of the stuff on hard knocks is people know they're on camera and they're trying to play up for the camera like the coaches speeches i feel like i get coaches give speeches but i feel like they might have a little extra rah-rah in them on the camera i feel like players might say wild stuff on camera because they know it might it might kind of go viral or might make them look cool or whatever so on top of that as we've said i think before when the rumors started percolating one of my concerns is hbo obviously has say over the final cut and how this thing's gonna look so because of that they can twist all sorts of narratives and Maybe Aaron Rodgers will say something innocuous and then HBO focuses on it and shoots it in in a way where they're trying to make it a bigger thing than it is. Like that's a real fear that I have. And we've seen that on other shows where like clips that clips went viral, certain things that probably didn't want the team didn't want getting out there have gotten out there. You've seen sort of schisms on the team that are pretty evident. Like it's good drama. And if you see, if you're not a fan of the Jets, you could probably get invested in the the back and forth. But as someone who is a fan of the Jets, like 
it's good to get more exposure. It's good to see the Jets being talked about positively for the first time in a very long time. It's good to see the Jets being regarded as a team people want to watch and people want to care about after a decade of nobody caring about the Jets. That's all cool. I just don't know if I like this format because I don't trust those the David Zaslav and the HBO people over there. I feel like they're going to try to they're going to craft a story meant to kind of portray the Jets in a light that I don't think is the way they want to be portrayed. Look, let me first say that I'm sad because One Jets Drive, the the entire crew over at One Jets Drive, they do a phenomenal job with all that stuff. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that, if they're going to be kind of doing dual documentaries, if One Jets Drive can do something different. I hope that they're just still doing something because they do great work, and I definitely want to see their content as well this summer. But as far as Hard Knocks goes, I say bring it on. Like That's, that's what I say. I say bring it on. Honestly, for the majority of this time, I've been like, it, it's felt inevitable. If it happens, it happens. And it's it's whatever, because historically, there's not really any correlation between a team being on hard knocks and finding success or not finding success. I think it's seven of the 18 teams that have been on hard knocks have made the playoffs, which that's not a bad ratio at all, considering that the majority of the teams that they get are coming off of bad years. They hadn't made the playoffs. They hadn't made the playoffs the year before. They're not really good teams. Generally, they're on hard knocks. So seven of them making the playoffs is not that bad. Last year, the Lions fell just short, but they still exceeded expectations. The year before that, I think it was the Cowboys. They won 12 games. The year before that, it was the Rams. They won 10 games. So it's not like there's necessarily a direct correlation between being on the show and then not finding success. Of course, the only time the Jets have ever been on the show was 2010, which is the last time they made the playoffs. So, you know, it's it's been 13 long years since the Jets have been on the hard knocks. It's been 13 long years since they've made the playoffs. So I think it could come full circle right now. And, you know, you could argue – that the Jets are already the most successful hard knocks team. No team has ever made it further than the Jets, uh, or I should say no hard knocks team has ever made it further in the playoffs than those 2010 Jets. Of course, they made it to the AFC Championship game. So they already might have that banner. They have a chance, and I said this on Twitter earlier today, they have a chance to claim hard knocks as their show. They can go in to, to, you know, this summer and then this season, right, where you got Hard Knocks following them all summer, and they can show that they are the Hard Knocks team. They can become synonymous with the Hard Knocks brand, which they might already be because a lot of people already say that that 2010 season of Hard Knocks is the best season that the show has ever put on. And then, of course, the Jets went on and made the AFC Championship. So now you have all the ingredients here. Everything is, is here. You have Aaron Rodgers. You got all the pieces to have a really entertaining season this summer. And then, of course, all the pieces for this team to be really good and for them to find success in the regular season. So I see it as an opportunity. I see it as a chance to, to just stake your claim and say, this is our show. I say embrace the chaos, embrace the attention, and go out there and play well. I mean, I, I think they will. One of the problems that I think the Jets are going to face this year is, I don't know, that we they have characters on this team. Every team has characters Absolutely. and effervescent personalities and guys that light up a room and guys that, you know, when that red light in the camera goes on, they become this big sensation. Like, that happens with every team, but Rex Ryan really made that show his own because Rex was very singular in terms of as a coach, kind of how he behaved and sort of his mannerisms. Like, look, I love Robert Sala as a coach. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a good motivator. And I, I think it's cool having this guy, like an intimidating coach, like, you know, bald head and ripped dude and angry yelling. Like, I think that that's cool. But I mean, I, he, I think he read too many PR media classes about how to talk to New York. I mean, has he ever said anything remotely interesting where it felt like his heart rate was above like 40 in a press conference? You know, oh, we believe in these young men. It calls everybody young men, I've noticed too. Like this young yeah. man, this young man, that's like a thing. It's the it's platitudes, it's coaching, talking in circles kind of thing. Like 
it might work for the media. I just don't know if that's like real pulse pounding, you know, drama and entertainment on hard knocks. So like, that's why I think I don't like, maybe he'll play up for the camera and it's inauthentic. I don't know. That's, that's part of what I'm, what I'm weighing against. Like, I, I don't know if, I don't think Robert Sala will play anything up for the camera. He doesn't strike me as that type of guy who's just going to kind of be someone he's not. Look, we all know the reason that Hard Knocks chose the Jets. It's not because of Robert Sala. Aaron it's Rogers. not because of Nathaniel Hackett. It's because of Aaron Rodgers. Sure, you'll get some great sound bites from guys like Hackett, from someone like Ron Middleton, who I'm, I'm very excited to see on the big stage. He'll be you know, cool. Players, players like Michael Clemens will be really fun, CJ Uzama, Michael Carter. But the reason that the Jets were chosen as the Hard Knocks team is because of Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure, is not happy about that. I'm sure he's not a fan. Of course, he's not uh, someone that is necessarily loving the attention at all times and the spotlight on him when he doesn't want it to be. And that's unfortunately going to be the case. But that's the reason that the Jets were chosen. So I'm not, I don't think that they're there because of Salah. I think that you know the Rex Ryan of this year, if you want to say it, is going to be Aaron Rodgers in the sense that all the attention is going to be on him. The spotlight will be on him. People will be tuning in to see how Aaron Rodgers interacts with his new environment, with his new teammates. That's why people are going to tune in. I mean, Jets fans will tune in for other reasons, but you're talking about a casual national audience. They're tuning in for Aaron Rodgers. And that's part of why I'm nervous because, look, Aaron Rodgers as a football player is beyond reproach. He's won. He's got personal accolades. He only got the one Super Bowl. still got one. He's still a high-end quarterback. He's still going to make the Jets. Like, there's nothing you could say football-wise about Aaron Rodgers that's negative. One of the problems that I'm afraid of is every time he opens his big fat mouth, he says something kind of dumb. And that's what I mean. Remember the whole well, I'm immunized. I'm not vaccinated. That whole thing. Like, how I know it's not going to be any of that. Remember Deshaun Kaiser went on a podcast and he said he was talking about 9/11 conspiracies. Like, I don't actually. Is that yeah? Deshaun Kaiser went on a podcast when he after he left the Browns, signed with the Packers, and said his first meeting with Aaron Rodgers was just basically like talking about conspiracy theories related to that. Which I don't know if that's going to play for a national audience or a New York audience. I don't know how that'll how that'll vibe with everybody. Uh, I want to get to a comment in chat really quick by uh, Michael Palace of the Jet Up podcast. And he said, uh, with the offseason that we've seen in terms of negativity, I agree with Mike. Uh, I don't want a production company having the ability to do a documentary and create something that the media can spin. That's the problem is the Jets acquired Aaron Rodgers in a trade after almost making the playoffs with Zach Wilson. And this offseason, through no fault of the Jets, has been all negative. At least that's how I've kind of viewed it. There's so many people doubting the Jets. Why do they do this move? Oh, they're signing Randall Cobb to bend over backwards for Aaron Rodgers, and this isn't going to work out, and what are they doing? And Robert Sala is the 25th best coach in the league or whatever that one list by the 33rd team said. Like The, the, the Jets have done something good that they haven't done in decades, like making a move like this, and yet it seems like everybody's trying to claim, like, oh, I knew, I knew that it wouldn't work. Like, in case it doesn't work, they can cover their ass like that. Like, that's what they did after acquiring Aaron Rodgers. You don't think that people are going to try and find some way to be like, ah, funny, same old Jets. Like they were doing that with the Lions last year. They're like, I know some people like Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell's a pretty good coach, and I probably would like playing for Dan Campbell if I was a football player. But I mean, guys were making fun of him and said he, he seemed kind of like, kind of not dopey for lack of a better word, but like kind of, kind of cheesy, I think. I think people were saying that, and people were kind of saying, oh, look at some of these guys on the lines. Like, the Jets, it's going to be times five. That's the issue I have, is that so? Is that the, the vibes are going to be out of control through no fault of the Jets. See, I think the noise is going to be there regardless. 
That's kind of how I feel about it. The noise is following the Jets, has been following them all offseason since they traded for Aaron Rodgers, since before they traded for Aaron Rodgers. There's sky-high expectations for the team. There's a lot of people praying on their downfall. There's a lot of people that want to see them fail. And that's the reality of the situation, whether they're on hard knocks or not. The way to prove those people wrong is to win. That's the way to prove that wrong. I don't care what happens this summer. There's going to be plenty of negative attention about the Jets. There's also going to be positive attention because that's what happens with every hard knock season. And I'd say this hard knock season probably has more hype than at least since the Raiders in 2019. Any in recent memory, for sure. This has a ton of hype to it. A lot of people are going to be tuning in. So you're going to get plenty of takes, uh, positive takes about the Jets. You're going to get plenty of negative takes about the Jets. But what matters is come September, come October, come November, that they're competing and winning games. Because once that starts happening, assuming, you know, hopefully it does, no one's going to care about hard knocks. No one's going to care about whatever Aaron Rodgers may or may not have said. No one's going to care about Nathaniel Hackett being silly or whatever is going to happen. Oh, I didn't even consider Hackett. Oh, my God. No one's going to care. And it's going to be fun. I'm going to have a blast. I say this is Damian Woody put out a tweet earlier today where he was basically just like, embrace it. He said, I'll read uh, like an excerpt from his tweet. Uh, he said, for, any, for anyone saying that hard knocks is a distraction for the Jets organization, it's nonsense to say that, right? People in NFL, phone, NFL films do a wonderful job of blending in behind the scenes. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but he's obviously lived it. Of course, he was on that 2010 Jets team when they were on hard knocks. Uh, so he's been there. He said that, uh, you know, you trade for Aaron Rodgers. This is what you get. Embrace it and have fun because we damn sure did back in 2010. And I think that's that's a good message to send to the Jets players themselves, the Jets coaching staff. Obviously, they don't want this. They had to get the, you know, they, they twist the NFL twisted their arm to get the Jets on hard knocks. They fought really hard. This is the longest we've ever waited for an official hard knocks announcement. The Jets are about to start training camp. And we just found out now that they're on hard knocks because the Jets were fighting it. They didn't want to be on the show. So obviously they did they don't want this. Robert Sala has publicly said that. But just embrace it. That's all you can really do at this point. Embrace it, embrace the cameras, embrace the spotlight, embrace the attention, and embrace the negativity. Because we've gotten a lot of it. The Jets have gotten so much negativity over the last decade plus. A lot of it deserved, right? So now you finally got what you hope is a good team, a team that can compete for the Super Bowl. Embrace that negativity. Turn it into positivity on the field. And hopefully, hopefully the hard knocks thing, that'll be, you know, it'll be a fun anecdote from the summer. And then we'll be talking about the Jets, you know, making a deep playoff run. That's that's my hope. You just got me scared about Hackett, though, because I could remember <laughs> it was when the Broncos hired him. I forget if this was a clip from when he was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay or just like a little demo after he got hired. But he was like diagramming a play that went for a long touchdown when he was with the Packers. And at the end of it, he said, well, this guy's going to go catch the ball and go score a tugalicious. And immediately when he said that, I said, all right, this guy is going to be a complete like the scales fell immediately. I'm like, all right, this guy's done. If he says tugalicious on this show. I'm going to and so, and so what if he does? What are, the, what are people going to go to Florham Park? A self-respecting coordinator calling saying things are tugalicious. As long as he does a good job, he will be respected. If he's <laughs> bad, then he won't be respected. It just comes down to performance at the end of the day. Like that's that's really all it comes down to. If Aaron Rodgers makes an absolute fool of himself on hard knocks but wins MVP this year, no one's going to care about what he did on hard knocks. You know, that's that's the reality of it. And again, there's no correlation between teams being on hard knocks and finding success. The Jets are the most successful team in Hard Knocks history. Last time they were on the show, they, they made the AFC Championship game. Let's do it again. Now, one of the players that is going to be on Hard Knocks is uh, Sauce Gardner. And Sauce Gardner, inadvertently, because he wasn't even doing it, he was just minding his own business, was at the epicenter of one of the craziest NFL Twitter spats that I've seen in a while. And uh, when I saw things that were going on, uh, 
I immediately thought back to when I was watching Top Gun Maverick, and I started looking up stuff about fighter pilots. And I remember that fighter pilots, they actually make you take a test psychologically to see if you're like a crazy type A personality with delusions of grandeur, because that's the guys they want. Because you have to be able to fly a plane a thousand miles an hour, like through narrow cracks and go, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I can do that because I'm me. Like, I'll be fine. Like, you have to have that mindset to do it. NFL cornerback is kind of the same way. You're like, yeah, I know that this guy burns everybody, you know, and gets 200 yards every game, but he won't get past me because I'm me and I'm awesome. Like, you got to think like that to be good at cornerback. So naturally, cornerbacks can be a little defensive of their own career and their own skill. And I think maybe critical of some others because they think they're the shit all the time, which has led to Asante Samuel, former New England Patriot and Philadelphia Eagle, who like, let me get this out of the way first. Let's not be disrespectful. Sonny Samuel was really freaking good. Oh, for sure. In a seven-year stretch, he had 44 interceptions, made a bunch of Pro Bowls, was one of the few guys who left Belichick and was as good, if not better. So it wasn't just like a Belichick guy. Because with the Eagles, he made a bunch of Pro Bowls and an All-Pro. He's really good. His son is in the league, Asante Jr. He's been a good cornerback. Like, this is not to be disrespectful to Asante Samuel as a player. As, as a guy analyzing football... This guy has no idea what he's talking about because <laughs> he it was another like sauce Gardner, Tariq Wollin, standard Jets Twitter stuff where every single measurable ad- advanced traditional every single thing you can look at. I test film says sauce Gardner was better than Tariq Wollin, except interceptions. That's the one where Tariq Wollin was better. Everything else at sauce Gardner. So because of that, people have said that the New York media is hyping up Sauce Gardner, which, again, makes no sense at all because the Jets are the butt of all the jokes and they take every opportunity they can to tear down the Jets. So why would they all of a sudden say Sauce Gardner is amazing? So there's that. And then also there's Asante Samuel basically saying that Sauce is overrated and Darrell Revis was overrated too because he launched into a bunch of different tweets where he said that Revis was, again, a New York media guy and like teams weren't as scared of him as you thought they were. So I, I got to give it up to Darrell Rivas, man. He's not afraid to speak his mind. Uh, <laughs> he brought up a story about when he was when the Jets were playing the Falcons, and uh, they referred to Asante Samuel as the double move king because he fits so easily on double moves, which Darrell Rivas never got called the double move king for being easily beaten like that. So, so Asante Samuel, of course, responds back at him in one of the many tweets where he's got ratioed on. He's still posting, by the way. Dude, he got ratioed on every tweet and literally not like five or ten like like 40 like a lot he's still going you're absolutely right he's it's wednesday and he's still going this is all he's been doing for like 24 hours is getting ratioed to hell by jets fans and other nfl fans because even other cornerbacks have kind of chimed in on him darius slay in particular saying that this doesn't have any merit and i gotta give it again to darrell Reeves, who after asante samuel responded to him darrell uh hits back with and I, this is a great quote. In their own words, uh, quote, try again, mother sucker. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer, which that's going to that's sticking around in the lexicon for a very long time. Mother sucker needs to be a term that more people try say. again. Mother. It sounds like something like Mr. T would say or like Shaft would say. Yeah, like it's such a good insult. <laughs> it's such a good. It's so good. So if we're scoring this fight, it, Darrell Rivas with a, a second round knockout of Asante Samuel. And Sauce Gardner, I think, with a second-round knockout because he's minding his own business and somehow gets wrapped up in this big woolen Gardner civil war that, honestly, neither of them probably care about. 
They don't. Like Seahawks fans probably care more about this than they do. So it, it, it's been a wild, crazy day for, for Jets Twitter, for Sauce Gardner, for Asante Samuel. But it looks like the Jets, the two Jets participants in this, Sauce and Revis, have kind of come out smelling like a rose at all this. Yeah, I don't think I've ever like I can't remember a time that I've seen somebody on Twitter swing as much as Asante Samuel did and just miss every single time. That man kept shooting and he kept missing and it, it just didn't matter. As it's I put it out on Twitter as well, but it like it embodies the Dion Waiters quote, that infamous Dion Waiters quote where he'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9 because if you went 0 for 9, that means he stopped shooting, that means he lost his confidence. I mean, Asante Samuel, I mean, he kept shooting. He kept missing, but at least he's still confident. keep tweeting. Like, one of these will be right eventually. Right. He's like, I'm going to keep tweeting. One of these days I won't get ratioed. Like every every single tweet, every reply was just worse than the other one. And look, I'll, I'll say this from the start, right? The New York market thing, it's real to an extent. Like there, there is some merit to it. And there is also some merit to Sauce Gardner getting a lot of hype because he was a top draft pick, because he uh, does have a cool nickname. All of that is true. But he also backed it up and was legitimately the best cornerback in the NFL last season. Statistically, there's really no debate. We could talk about that really quickly right now and comparing him to Tariq Willen because, like you mentioned, every metric supports that Sauce Gardner not only was better than Tariq Willen but was significantly better than Tariq Willen. And Tariq Willen's not bad. That's not, no, he's not. No Jets fan is saying Tariq Willen is bad. I, I feel bad for Tariq Willen because Seahawks fans and other people, I guess people like Asante Samuel, keep setting him up for slander that he does not deserve because Tariq Willen had an exceptional rookie season, especially for where he was drafted. The dude was the best value pick in the entire draft last year. He should be a stud in the NFL for a long time, but he just he, he wasn't as good as Sauce Gardner's rookie. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame. It just speaks to how amazing Sauce was. Like he, he had the, the fewest yards allowed by anybody by a decent amount. He had allowed 361 yards last season. This is Sauce Gardner. The second best was 411. Uh, Tariq Willen, out of cornerbacks with at least 500 cover snaps played, was 27th out of 40 in yards left. So, like, we're not even talking about the same stratosphere of player right here, at least in terms of what they did in their rookie season. And I want to I go to what Asante Samuel said and why he believes that Tariq Willen had a better rookie season because his whole argument from the beginning was production, right? This is a former NFL cornerback, a former all-pro cornerback, who on Twitter yesterday said that good coverage was not production. That's what he said. That was the exact words. Good coverage is not production, right? He said, that's good coverage. Where's the production? Fine. If he wants to say that production, which he has defined as interceptions and pass breakups, he, he has defined that in multiple tweets and during his rant yesterday, that's what his that's what his definition of production is. And that's why he believes Trey Willen was better. Okay, fine. If you want to go on that, that's fine. It's wrong, but you want to go on that, that's fine. Here's where I have another issue. Because then Sauce Gardner in this back and forth asks Asante Samuel who he believes his, you know, the number one cornerback in the NFL was last season. Who does he believe the best cornerback was? And Asante Samuel said it was Patrick Sertan, which totally fine take. Objectively fine. Patrick Sertan is an incredible player, a top two cornerback in the NFL. Him and Sauce Gardner, I think, are right now on a tier of their own. They are both exceptional players. I have no issue with anyone saying Patrick Sertan is the best cornerback in the NFL. The issue I have is that Patrick Sertan had two interceptions last year, the same amount as Sauce Gardner. He had seven pass breakups last year, half as many as Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner was, by Asante Samuel's own words, more productive by a large amount than Patrick Sertan last season. So if he's going to sit here and say that Tariq Wallen is better than Sauce Gardner because he was more productive and then say that the best cornerback in the NFL was a cornerback who was less productive than Sauce Gardner, what are we even doing? 
None of that makes any sense. Make any of this make sense, please, Mike, because I'm lost. I, I'm so lost. I don't know what's Here, going on. Here's where he's coming from. Like, I think this honestly, legitimately, I don't want to like say that like he's arguing. You, I'll say it. I think he's arguing in bad faith. I think he yes. I had to come up with an example, and he didn't want to say sauce, so he came up with Pat Sertan. Sure. I think that's what he did. But also, like, getting back to the whole production versus coverage thing, like, two points of that. Number one, like, this sounds like kind of like a dumb axiom, but it's true. Like, you can't get picks if no one throws at you. No one's yeah. throwing at Revis. How can he get picks if no one's throwing at him? That's the problem. Guys were throwing at Asante Samuel. Now, again, he made him pay because he got a lot of picks. But part of the problem, too, is, like, the reason Asante Samuel – he reminded me a lot of Mar- like Marcus Peters, I think, kind of yeah, the Asante Samuel of now, where Marcus Peters takes a ton of risks, but he gets a ton. He's a great ball hawk. He has a nose for the ball. So Asante Samuel's value lies in being able to create turnovers. He led the league in interceptions twice, and he's 51 career interceptions. So if you built your whole career off of being an interception guy, then you are just going to naturally value interceptions more. It's like, you know... I'd imagine if you were a guy like maybe, I don't know, Dan Fouts, you'd probably value passing yards as a, as a statistic of great quarterback play. That's how you probably measured yourself, and that's how you got paid. The, the problem is he's just applying it in all the wrong ways. He also got into the whole weird thing of like, well, Sauce Gardner didn't shatter the best receivers. He kind of stayed on the other side. But then he also implied to believe that Richard Sherman was better, and Richard that's Sherman did the exact same thing. DJ Gardner-Johnson got involved and was saying that stuff, and he was even worse than Samuel because he was actually being kind of a dick about it. Oh, like, CJ, yeah. How, how's your one-year prove-it deal you're signing because nobody wanted to sign you, CJ? How's that going? <laughs> We're coming at him now, boy. Um, yeah, he got involved, too. I'll, I'll, I'll engage with you if you make a reasoned argument. These guys aren't doing that. It's it's. It reminds me of NBA Twitter, where it's just people... Hmm making arguments based on feelings and how aesthetically guys look like there's no basis for that. Yeah, that that's all it is. And that's any, anybody that's, that's trying to diminish what sauce Gardner accomplished in his rookie season. That's all they're doing. Like they're, they're basing it off of, Oh, they've seen that one image going around of Jerry Judy of him kind of holding Jerry Judy, even though Jerry Judy engaged in contact first, which is why it wasn't called. But why would we care about context here? Why would we care about facts? In fact, when Asante Samuel first put out the tweet about Tariq Willen being better than Sauce Gardner, he said specifically that we're listening to the media, not facts. And so I quote tweeted that with a list of all of the different categories that Sauce Gardner was better than Tariq Willen in. You know, facts, right? I mean, yes. sure. Am I media? Maybe. I don't know what you want to call me. But it's still How dare fact, you use right? facts to back up an opinion? You Right. Like, th- those are the facts, Asante. You know? And, like, again, the New York media thing, it, it is real, right? But you know who really gets overhyped? Players on winning teams. Those are the guys that get the attention because when you get the, the way you get eyes on you is you have to play in prime time. You have to play in playoff games. You have to play in front of a national audience for the better part of the last 13 years. The Jets haven't done that. The Jets have not been on prime time. They haven't been on Sunday night football in a decade, you know? So it's like, it's not like these, these Jets players are, are in front of a national audience and getting overhyped. There's a reason why someone like DJ Reed or John Franklin Myers, guys who are really good players, they don't get any hype. They don't get any attention from the national media. Maybe that'll change this year. But to this point, they haven't because they're on, I, I hate to say it, an irrelevant team or a team that's been irrelevant for the last for the better part of the last decade. And so the New York media exists, but it only exists when you're actually good. You know, I think that might change this year. Maybe this year, if the Jets start winning games, obviously now they have all the attention. We just talked about it. They're on hard knocks. They have Aaron Rodgers. All of this media attention is on the Jets. They're probably the most hyped team in the NFL 
this offseason, or at least the most notable team, most noteworthy. Uh, so if they start winning games this year, that's going to change, especially with all the primetime games they got. If they if the Jets win 12 or 13 games, DJ Reed's going to be a household name by the end of the year. People are going to be talking about DJ Reed. People, people are going to be talking about John Franklin Myers. Hell, Quinnen Williams will be as notable as Chris Jones. Like, that's that's sort of – because right now he's not. Like, he's a great player, and Jets fans know how great he is. And even though he was first-team All-Pro last year, he's not a household name. You know, so I think that is the big distinction here. The New York media exists, but it only exists when you're a relevant team. If anything, it could exist in in the opposite way, where you know, there, there. If you're a bad team, the media could be really, really harsh on you here. That's just that's how it is. But there's a reason guys on the Kansas City Chiefs get overhyped, or or hyped maybe to the degree that they should be. There's a reason guys on you know the the New England Patriots for so long got all the attention. It's because those teams win and they're constantly in the limelight. They're in prime time. The Jets haven't had that. So anybody trying to claim New York media bias for, for Sauce Gardner, let alone for Darrell Revis, because that's a wild route to take for Asante Samuel, who is still claiming today, literally today, he's tweeting out stuff saying that he was better than Darrell Revis, which is <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, it's honestly unbelievable. And only, you know, again, his only basis of argument is interceptions, right? Interceptions. Like, All right. So then Ken Riley must be better than him, too. Yeah, Marcus Williams led, had six. Remember, the former Jets cornerback had six interceptions one of those years. Was he one? I think he was either the lead leader or like second in the league in interception. Was Didn't he the best? Did get like four in a month at one point? To- Pierre Desir had, had uh, I think, two pick sixes with the Jets a couple years ago. And then they caught him after eight games. So, like, what are, what are we doing here? Are we really arguing that interceptions are are the only barometer for how good a cornerback is? Seems to be what Asante Samuel's doing, unless you're talking about Patrick Sertan. Because, like you said, he's not arguing in, in good faith. Asante Samuel's, like, one of those guys on NBA Twitter who, like, would say Derrick Rose is, like, one of the best players. Like, like, you know, for some reason, there's this weird cult of personality around Derrick Rose. Yeah. I feel like that's a guy Asante Samuel would be. Or, like, one of the guys who's, like, Carmelo Anthony's a top 10 player of all time. Like, because yeah. it's so much of it's based on aesthetics and like looking cool, which again is weird because Sauce is a pretty cool looking player. Like I don't yes. get well the here's here's my issue with Asante Samuel is cool. like I know he's smarter than this. Like even if this was just like a media like if this was just an analyst honestly making these points, like it'd be one that'd be bad enough, but like all right, like there's a there's a level of detachment from the game and like the finer points of just how to evaluate cornerback play. Like I know he knows what good cornerbacks are. I know that he knows how to play this game at a high level. Like he knows he knows infinitely more about how to play NFL as an NFL cornerback than us. Than we will ever know in both our lives. He was an all pro. He was fantastic. And again, that's not to take away from him, but he's just being ridiculous about this. And yet he's he's communicating this information in the way a WFAN caller would, like looking at box score stats and interceptions. Like it's just so disingenuous, and it's upsetting. He's a smart guy. You can't be that good and not be in, insanely football smart. You're right. I said and yesterday he's uh, he's he's auditioning for a job at FS1. Yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> he's joining the the Emmanuel Achos, the Sean McCoys. Like that's his. That's going to be <laughs> his repl- next. He's, he's debating Skip next. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 what he's looking to do. But, but the other thing too is like it. Maybe maybe I've experienced in this because I was a Tom Brady hater. Like mm-hmm. I think sometimes when guys are just at the peak and they're performing like at the peak of their powers. Like there are Patrick Mahomes haters now. Yeah. Oh, and so- like, said Patrick Mahomes. Is, like, I just think that's if anything, a testament to sauce Gardner. Cause he's in that tier where he gets unnecessary bullshit thrown at him from a bunch of random yahoos and mm-hmm. Asante Samuel. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> I think sauce Gardner is a perfect example of like a comparison to Patrick Mahomes, which, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty quiet guy. Like he's a pretty humble dude for the most part. Doesn't really make many, 
headlines off the field. Like it's not even like, I mean, Brady was sort of similar, but it's not like it's like an Aaron Rodgers or someone who, you know, who is making a lot of headlines off the field or like, uh, you know, a Kevin Durant in basketball or someone like that. It's not even the off the field. It's that the play is so good that like. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying oh, is yeah. that like, it's not like they're garnering those headlines off the field. They are perfectly humble and, and just quiet guys off the field. They're just specifically getting hate because of how good they are. And people don't want them to be that good. And they don't believe they're that good. Also, Twitter's not real life, right? The consensus and opinion around Sauce Gardner is like in real life is not the same as it is on Twitter because any post, any post anywhere on Twitter that mentions Sauce Gardner from a, a notable enough account is going to be filled with a bunch of people being like, oh, DPI merchant. Oh, he gets, you know, preferential treatment from the refs. Oh, he's not as good as Tariq Woolen, all this stuff, right? Well, they That's not preferential real life. treatment to a rookie. Thank yeah. you, brain. That's not real life. Like oh. no, people in real life aren't going around saying that. That's not the prevailing opinion. Obviously he won for, he was first team all pro. He won defensive player of the year. That's not the belief. He was voted as the second best cornerback in the NFL by a poll, a, a survey of executives, right? Clear or, you know, people around Mr. the NFL. won in that? Sertan was one. And that's okay. fine. I, I have yeah. zero issue if you want to say that Patrick Sertan is the best cornerback in the NFL. I think that him and Sauce are one and two. You could flip them however you want. Um, but yeah, it's clearly that's not the, the the common opinion, the common belief outside of NFL Twitter. That's just, unfortunately, if you're on Twitter a lot, like at least I am, I know, and I believe you are as well. Uh, it's just something you have to deal with. It seems like the other thing too, like the last point I make about Asante Samuel is like, he seems to be saying that almost like Revis was like a, a stat compiler. And yeah. like he just... Yeah. Cause he played longer than him. And like Asante only played like eight, nine years. And then he racked up all those picks, but it's like the argument for Revis. I think Revis is a top 10 corner of all time on the fringes of, of top five. Like the whole argument is that he had that peak alongside Asante Samuel, where it was very clear that like the only guy, like that was like kind of the starting of the end of champ Bailey. So like maybe if you want to say maybe of the last like 20 years, like you want to put maybe a guy like a champ Bailey, up there i'm like okay i could i could i could buy that maybe he's better but like there was a period for three four year where there was not even a question it was like aaron donald and defensive tackle where you're just like all right everybody else fighting for number two and aaron donald's in this separate sort of tier like that's where revis was for multiple years like do people just forget that i know he didn't forget that because he was in the league and he knew what was going on like the, I, were there really people going? Oh yeah, we just throw it to Rob Reeves. He's overrated. Like, like no, those people no, didn't no. exist. He's making he's making these people up. Everyone at that time knew exactly how good Darrell Revis was. Anybody that's ever played with him knew how good he was. Whether you saw him in practice, in a game, dude's one of the most dominant players at his peak. I'd say he's one of the most dominant players the NFL has ever seen. In that 2009 season, that's one of the best seasons any player at any position has ever had. You and even it's, 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 it's I mean, obviously, I didn't get to see Night Train Lane picking off 14 passes sure. in 12 games, but like very different game too. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say, all right, like since the Super Bowl era, mm. you can make a case that is the best defensive back season. Sure. Anybody's ever. I mean, I obviously didn't get to see Lester Hayes when he picked off 13 passes right. for the 80 Raiders, or maybe Ronnie Lott had a season close to that, or maybe Ed Reed had a season like that. But and what's wild? is he didn't even win Defensive Player of the Year. But right, oh, he didn't. But oh, the New York media, right? He's so overrated. He's so overhyped. He didn't even win Defensive Player of the Year. It's bro. a damn shame. Who did that year? I, for, I forget. Charles Woodson won it. Charles oh, Charles Woodson. Woodson. Oh, yeah, the big yeah, national that, media in Green yeah, Bay. Exactly, because of that damn Green Bay media. That's why he won Defensive Player Powerful of the Year. Powerful central yeah. Wisconsin media, man. It's just, you can't it's escape just, it. 
Rebus was on a great football team in the biggest market in sports, and he didn't even win Defense Player of the Year when he had one of the best seasons of any player ever. And you're going to tell me that the New York media is the reason that he was good? Man, it's, it's, I'm annoyed. It's one thing to have parts of an argument that are wrong. It's another thing to base an argument in something that's completely the opposite of yeah. the truth and then keep doubling down on it with more lies. Dude, he's still going to... Because you, you can't reason with that. Like You can't present anything to Asante Samuel to get him to stop. He will only stop when he gets tired. 44 minutes ago, he tweeted out, let me guess, the NFL office is in New York with a laughing emoji. This man is still <laughs> going... Point, just, like, and I think Darrell Rivas and Sauce Gardner both said this, that he's just doing this for attention. Like I think Sauce was like, let me find out you're doing this for attention. Rivas was saying the same thing. He's clearly just doing that. So you know what? Let's stop talking about him. One last point I want to make on Asante Samuel. Go for it. (laughs) And this is, I swear, the last one. Asante Samuel, in his football career, made $57.1 million. Good for him, man. And you're spending your days arguing with random dudes on Twitter because you want to be a guy who thinks Sauce Gardner is bad? You you made $57 million. Asante Jr. is in the NFL. If he was not, he would not have had to work a day in his life. Yeah. That is the career you've built for yourself. And you're arguing with dudes that have four followers and no profile pics on Twitter trying to say that Darrell Revis actually wasn't good. Like, get your priorities in order, man. Really quick, shout out Darius Slay, uh, Casey Hayward. Who else was in that? Quandre Diggs. Uh, there was a few NFL defensive backs, few NFL cornerbacks that kind of went in a spaces yesterday and just kind of tried to spread positivity. DJ Reed popped in for a little bit, uh, and they were all just kind of – reacting to everything that happened yesterday. Uh, and then, you know, Slay and them were just kind of being like, wow, I, we just got to, we got to build each other up more. And I, I, I'm i with that. I agree with that. Uh, I think that the, the joke they were saying was that like, it feels like cornerbacks specifically tear each other down more than any other position group in the NFL. Well, and maybe that's that personality thing that you got to think you're the it's, shit all the time. You do. And it's, it's very mono a mono, you know, and I get that. Um, so shout out Darius Slay for doing that kind of coming to sauce and defense coming to DJ Reed's defense, because I love, I was sitting in that space for a while and it's great. You hear sauce Gardner before DJ Reed even popped in was praising the hell out of DJ Reed. Cause he was like, I wouldn't have been able to have the season I did without DJ Reed. And then DJ Reed comes in later, not even knowing what sauce said and does the same exact thing. That's signs of a healthy locker room. That's signs of, of guys who genuinely appreciate each other and know how good their teammates are. So shout out Darius Slay for doing that and kind of and don't listen custom. to angry old men who were uh, who were interception merchants on yeah. <laughs> in their career. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's take a little bit of a chill pill and mellow out for our last segment. With <sighs> I need it. Turn down the rancor. Let's have the veins recede back into our necks. 
So we're not just angry and yelling like Vince McMahon trying to sell a WWE promo in character and his face would get all vascular. Like, let's let's tone that down and let's go and talk about the current roster outside of their amazing cornerback. Because this roster is very much in flux, I think, at this point. Nothing is set in stone. There are players that are on right now that are probably not going to be on the opening day roster. There are players that were on the 53-man roster last year that will likely not be on the roster this year. And there are going to be even more that probably won't survive until the end of the year. And that's probably going to be because of trades, because I feel like the Jets are going to be in a mood to wheel and deal, especially now that they've got more depth and they have a team that is ready to win now. I think there's going to be some real aggression there. But uh, if we're thinking about players who could potentially be traded, for me, immediately what comes to mind, and I've talked about this before, I'm looking at the tight end room, and I find it hard to believe personally that both Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzama will both end the season as the tight end one and tight end two of the New York Jets. Because maybe I'm just a Jeremy Ruckert supporter. I think Jeremy Ruckert's a fantastic prospect. I think he fits what they want to do. And I think he was underutilized. And I don't want to just see them use a third-round pick on a guy who's going to be tight end three in special teams again and catch one pass. I don't think that they thought Jeremy Ruckert was going to do that. I I certainly don't think he expected to do that, which means that one of those two are going to have to be gone. Uzama, who had a really good receiving year with Joe Burrow before he came to the Jets, he really took on a very selfless role and was a blocker and a hard worker, and he kind of let Tyler Conklin steal the show as a as a pass catcher. And I'm I'm still mixed on Tyler Conklin. I know how I feel quite about Tyler Conklin yet because I think he had his best season personally after coming over from uh from Minnesota. I thought he was really good just for him, but. I just I, is that the best of Tyler Conklin? I think we may have got the best of Tyler Conklin, and for and Aaron Rodgers typically, while he's not like Tom Brady in terms of how much he uses his tight ends, like he's got to have a reliable guy. In all of his best years, he's had a be it Jermichael Finley, who hates him now for some reason. I don't know why, but Jermichael Finley or even Robert Tunyon, like you just you need a guy. And I, I think personally, that's why I think Conklin is going to stay. I think Uzama just makes too much. He's a veteran guy, leader, definitely helped Rucker. But if you want to move a tight end, I think he's the guy. I think you probably get some sort of compensation for him, maybe a late-round pick. I think that the Jets would be fine with that. And then they can roll with Rucker as the tight end, too. And honestly, Zach Kuntz is the tight end, three because I feel like they'd be very nervous about sticking Kuntz on like the practice squad or something like that just because with how rare of an athlete he is, I feel like the first injury somebody gets, they're going to try and get Zach Koontz. So I think the Jets picked him probably with the knowledge that they want to stash and develop him, but that's probably better done on the 54, 54 now uh, man roster than by just letting him waste away in the practice squad. So to further that end, I feel like this might be the end of CJ Uzama at some point. I, I did put out an article a few days ago, a week ago, whatever it was, uh, about basically what we're talking about now, players Jets could trade. And I did have Uzama on there as like a dark horse, right? The issue to me comes down to two things. One, finances, I think, is the number one, because they did restructure his contract in the offseason. So if they wanted to trade him, they would take on not only $3.5 million in dead cap this year, but around $6 million in dead cap next year. So that's not ideal, right? That's obviously not ideal. I totally get wanting to get record snaps, and I think they're going to do that regardless, right? The second issue I have is that they're trying to win a Super Bowl. 
You know, they're trying to go all in, right? C.J. Uzama is a, a good player. I, I think he's definitely tight end two to Tyler Conklin, right? He is a, a step down from his production. Wasn't great last year, but he's still a good blocker. He's still a good inline blocker. He's a team leader in the locker room. He's a quality tight end, a reliable player who, if Ruckert isn't ready to take over on that role, he's there. And even if Ruckert is ready, there's nothing wrong with having another good tight end. So that's I would be very surprised if they traded him, although I do think that he's like a dark horse, right? Because you do have the scenario where they might want to get record snaps and they can financially do it. It's not like they'd have, you know, they would say they would save money. Um, they would save. I, I said before, they would they would take on this. They would save three point five million this year. They would take on three point two in dead cap and then take on six million in dead cap next year. So it's not ideal, but they could still save money. I would just be surprised because of the finances and because. You know, don't get rid of good players if they're going to play. And I think Uzama still has a role on his team. He played 53% of snaps last year. So I do think he has a role. One guy who I think I think is just the most obvious player on the team to be traded, maybe not the most obvious, but he's up there and he's been a conversation in trade talks this entire offseason, is Bryce Huff. I think we got to talk about Bryce Huff. Right. Um, I don't even know where, what else there is to say. I've talked about him a ton on this show. But basically, the, the selection of Will McDonald kind of solidified that if if everyone is healthy, he's not going to have a role. And I, I know I, I said that immediately as soon as they drafted Will McDonald, which was one of the reasons that I was not all for the pick because I really like Bryce Huff. And I think he's a great player who was incredible in his role last year. You couldn't have asked for a guy to be better at, at what he did. He was quite literally the most efficient pass rusher in the entire NFL. Obviously, he was only playing on passing downs, which definitely helped, but he was still really, really good in that role. Unfortunately, he doesn't really have that role now because you have Carl Lawson, you have John Franklin Myers, you have Jermaine Johnson, you have Michael Clemens. And I know Clemens and John Franklin Myers will play a little bit inside, but they're still probably going to be starting on the outside in that base defense. And then when you get to passing downs, you got Will McDonald coming in and you're likely going to want to keep a guy like Carl Lawson out there too. So that's six defensive ends. If you include Bryce Huff, I don't think the Jets will dress six defensive ends. I think they'll dress nine defensive linemen, and I think Bryce Huff would be the odd man out because you have Quinton Williams, Al Woods, Quentin Jefferson, and I bet Solomon Thomas will also be dressed. So that's nine defensive linemen. I don't think Bryce Huff has a role. He's a really good player, uh, and I think you could get something good for him. I think you might be able to get a fourth-round pick for him, and and you know if you can get that, I, I would say you probably do it because the dude's a free agent at the end of the year. You just drafted Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald. So he doesn't have any kind of a starting role next year. If you're going to resign him, um, you know, I don't know what kind of contract he's looking for, but he should be asking for something decent because he was really productive and really efficient last year. He's just someone who I think has gotten squeezed out of a role. And I know the jets love having a deep defensive line rotation. They love having all these really good pass rushers, but I, I I think for him, he deserves better. And I think the Jets could get better value uh, with a draft pick that they can get for him as opposed to, you know, just hoping, not hoping, but in the case that someone gets hurt, he could step into a minor role this year because I'm not sure he's back after this year. So I think the value is there. If they can get a good enough deal, I think they should and probably would trade him. Which it's a shame because, I mean, I like Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald as players, but it's always nice to find an undrafted guy. And Huff has shown he's an NFL player, but. I mean, it's one of those things he went undrafted for a reason, I guess. And the Jets just have, they would not have made this Will McDonald pick if they didn't think Bryce Huff, if they thought Bryce Huff was going to be a starter. So they obviously don't yeah, think that. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, the, the writing's probably on the wall. I th- I th- he should just, if he doesn't get traded, just be like, all right, look, like I just, I'm just going balls out. Like I'm just, I'm just going, like, again, he can play. Oh, absolutely. He was yeah, great. Yeah, like, there's not going to, there's not going to be a, like a shortage of a market for him. So. 
I just it's a shame that it had to kind of be precipitated by this kind of like a somewhat shocking draft pick. Uh, in terms of the other player that I think of, this is another one on the defensive side of the ball. It may not even be a trade guy. He might just be a straight up cut guy, or at least one of those guys where you know that we'll trade the Jets a twenty twenty five seventh round pick so that way we can get him instead of you know he gets cut and we go to waivers. And uh, that's Bryce Hall. Hmm. Bryce Hall, a guy who when he came into the league was pretty solid. I liked Bryce Hall's first couple. Uh, Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall's first couple of years. It's the, the really fun fact. I'm pretty sure there's been three players in the NFL named Bryce with an H last name, and they all play for the Jets. The other one was Bryce Hager, who was a linebacker. Anyway, there you go. So cornering <laughs> the Bryce H market, one, <laughs> one third of which is Bryce Hall. I, I I always get it's always Bryce Hall and uh, Bryce Hoff, and then it's always Connor Mc, McGovern. I always call Connor McGregor. Well, and there's also Bryce Hall, which makes it even more confusing. All right, so the, the for the phonetically challenged among us, it is Bryce Hall. And when he came out of Virginia, I mean, this was a guy who was projected to be like a borderline first-round pick or like a second-round pick. He just had a really unfortunate string of injuries. And then when he came out his first couple of years with Adam Gase, one of the few good Adam Gase finds, uh, he I think he was a McCagnan pick, too. I think he's one of the last McCagnan picks. Uh, he was – I think he was 2020. So I, or was he 20? Was he, 20? he was 2019. No, he was 2020. He was, he was Joe Douglas, yeah. Oh, he was Joe Douglas. All right, so never mind that. But even when he came in, I mean, he was pretty pretty solid. A lot of stuff to like, good like ball skills, which is what we saw at Virginia. But, man, the last couple of years – I mean, every single year has just gotten worse and worse and worse. I don't know if that was just – they finally got some film on him and everybody kind of caught up to him and – this is how you beat Bryce Hall, or if maybe all those injuries just sort of came back at the worst time and he couldn't physically sustain the pressure and the pounding of an NFL season. It, it's probably one of those two things. I'm just not sure which, but with the cornerback room looking how it is, with Sauce Garner on one side, DJ Reed on the other, Michael Carter in the slot, like that's that's pretty firmly set in stone. Now, beyond that, there's going to be a bunch of different position battles to figure out who the dime back's going to be, who a lot of the specialists are going to be, but Really, the only value I see Bryce Hoff contributing, barring injuries in 2023. Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall in <laughs> 2023. Gee, change your name. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be on special teams. And I just don't know if the Jets, if someone says, hey, well, we won't just make him a special teams guy. We'll give him kind of an, an enhanced role. Maybe they flip him elsewhere. I just don't see a path to much playing time for Bryce Hall. Yeah, and this, the special teams thing is that's the issue with, with him is because, you know, obviously two years ago, the dude played, I believe, every single defensive snap for the Jets or close to it. He played 98% of defensive snaps, started all 17 games in the team. He was good. Like, he wasn't – he was their de facto number one corner. The guy is not a number one corner, obviously. But he, he did his best with what he was given. Yeah, he proved that he was a starting caliber player. I, I, I firmly will die on that hill that Bryce Hall two years ago was absolutely a starting caliber cornerback. Then they went out and they signed DJ Reed, and then they draft Sauce Gardner. So now, you know, everyone's kind of assuming, oh, well, now the Jets have a great cornerback room where Bryce Hall is, is you know, he's their uh, their number four cornerback, and that's a really good spot for him to be. And yeah, Brian in chat, uh, he says that Bryce Hall led them in snaps in 2021. Yeah, dude, dude played. That was they had so many injuries too on the defensive side of the ball at that point. Um, so he played a ton of snaps. Was was their starting? Was their number one corner? He was a good player. And then unfortunately, the 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 reason that he barely played last year was because he just they don't trust him on special teams. He played 15 defensive snaps all of last year. Now, obviously, Sauce Gardner stayed healthy. DJ Reed stayed healthy. That was the biggest part of it. But Brandon Eccles passed him on the depth chart specifically because he's a gunner, because he plays on special teams, and they just don't trust Bryce Hall to do that. And so 
that I think is the biggest thing working against him. If he played special teams, he would absolutely have a role in this team. He would absolutely, I believe, still be their number four corner. I know he's kind of had, you know, he had a rough summer last year. He's, you know, we'll see what he does this summer. Um, but he's like the last time that he played any significant football, he was a good player. He was a starting caliber player. Uh, I don't know if he can still do that for another team, but I do think that, you know, he's entering the last year of his rookie contract. If some team comes calling with some, you know, some kind of an offer, I don't know if the Jets will hesitate. I do think the fact that Brandon Eccles is suspended for the first game of the season potentially could play, you know, play a role because, you know, if, if Hall, if you trade Hall and you don't have Eccles, all of a sudden now who the hell is your fourth corner? Is it Justin Hardy? Like who are, who are we talking about? Javelin Gidry still there, right? They brought him back, but that's, God, you know, oh, they brought him back. They brought him back. They claimed him off waivers. Yeah. He's back. Jeez, uh, this guy him. will just never die, man. Javelin I know. Gidry. Madden, Madden legend, Javelin Gidry. Uh, you know, they Fire got name alert, all time name team. Incredible. Name. Incredible. Name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that could be, you know, helping his case to make the roster, but you're right. He, you know, he was, he was a healthy scratch for a lot of last year because he doesn't play special teams. So, Maybe he can, you know, maybe he worked on that. Maybe Brent Boyer will trust him more, but he's clearly not in Brent Boyer's core of players that he trusts on special teams, or at least he wasn't last year. So absolutely, I could see him totally being a trade candidate. I'm surprised. You know, there was talks about that last year as well. Um, I have two guys left on my list because I, I had four uh, uh, prepared, and I didn't have Uzama, so that threw me for a loop. I'm going to go with another guy who I think, much like Bryce Hall, could be like a cut candidate. I do think Bryce Hall would make the team, but you're not you're not entirely off. Like he could be a cut candidate. Here's another guy who I believe if the Jets don't get it, I, I don't think he'll be on the week one roster, whether he's traded or cut, and is Denzel Mims. Uh, of course, Denzel Mims requested a trade last summer, and the Jets were reportedly looking for a fourth-round pick. That was like they're, they were dead set on that. They wanted a fourth-round pick. Some teams are calling. It's never been reported what they were offered. Maybe it was just something like a fifth. Whatever it is, they probably should have took it because Denzel Mims ended up, I think, having 11 catches last year. Once again, he was a healthy scratch. Another guy who's a victim of not playing special teams from that 2020 draft class. Um, very similar to Bryce Hall in, in that respect, uh, except Bryce Hall actually was a starter at one point. Denzel Mims has never really been able to solidify that role. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people were really high on Denzel Mims after his rookie season. In fact, it looked like he was going to be a starting wide receiver. Like, I think going into that spring, people expected him to be wide receiver, too. And then it kind of became apparent. Remember Keelan Cole, he was kind of taking that role. And then Mims ended up being a healthy scratch, right? Uh, Brian also says in chat that that demanding a fourth for Mims uh, is lunacy. Completely agreed. Uh, they absolutely should have took probably whatever offer they were getting at that point. I get wanting to, to keep good players on your roster, but clearly the dude didn't play special teams. They really didn't want to use him in any – like they had no role for him. And to be honest, when he's been given the opportunities, he hasn't really done anything with them. Um, so I think that whether he's traded or not, I, I don't think he's on the roster, whether that means someone like Jason Brownlee or Jerome Cap or Xavier Gibson, you know, one of the undrafted guys, maybe it's Urban Charles, whoever, somebody pushes him for that roster spot. Maybe the Jets don't even carry six receivers because that's a possibility as well. Um, I, I think he won't be on the, on the Jets roster. If some team offers them literally anything, they should probably take it because he's a free agent at the end of the year. They're not going to re-sign him. I don't think he's on the roster this year anyway. If they can get anything for Denzel Mims, they should take it. Yeah, I think Mims is a pretty obvious, uh, pretty obvious cut candidate, which is, again, another sad story because when he came out of Baylor, I mean, you go look at all the draft steals list from that year. Every single freaking one of them had Denzel Mims late second round. He was getting first round hype. Yeah. As recent as a couple of days before the draft. It was a steal when the Jets got him. Like, exactly. That was the it was like it was a great deal. And then – 
oh my God, what happened? I mean, again, the rookie year, he was fine. And I don't know if it was drops or pressure or something happened physically or. Well, he, he had Michael sick- Floor. He didn't get Michael Floor's scheme. I don't know what yes. it was. It's partially that he also had the food sickness, which that kind of like, or it was like food poisoning. That kind of put him behind the eight ball. Then he fell out of favor with the coaching staff. They, I don't know if it was an attitude thing or you have a whatever. Weird stomach, Denzel. <laughs> yeah, but it was like it was like one thing after another for him, and then he quickly fell in the doghouse, and he really just hasn't recovered. Like he hasn't made it out. What a shame. Yeah, yeah, who's final, one, uh, who's last, your final name? Yeah, the one last name I had, and this is really contingent on if the Jets signed Dalvin Cook. It's Michael Carter. I don't think Michael Carter is going anywhere if they don't sign Dalvin Cook. If they do sign Dalvin Cook, one of Carter or Zonovan Knight, barring injury, are probably gone because the assumption is still that Brees Hall will be ready for week one. If he's not, that changes. But I, I, I expect him to be ready for week one, even if he's not given a full workload. I think he'll be on the field. And if that's the case, you have Brees Hall. If they sign Dalvin Cook, you have Dalvin Cook. Izzy Abanacan is not going anywhere. Both Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight are not making the team. I think Michael Carter would still have more trade value at this point. I think they'd probably prefer to keep Zonovan Knight. I believe Zonovan Knight also plays special teams where I don't think Carter has done that at all, at least in the NFL. I'm not sure about in North Carolina. Um, I think he did. Yeah, so I think he's, he's small, so it's it's hard for him. Um, you know, So I think that could also be working against him. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they signed Dalvin Cook if Michael Carter's traded. That's that's the last guy I had. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Carter's traded if they don't sign Dalvin Cook. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on my last, uh, my last nerve with Michael Carter. Uh, I, I I I still think he's RB two right now. Like entering this the season, I if they don't sign Dalvin Cook, he's RB two. I'm pretty sure he's going to beat out Zonovan Knight and Izzy Vanakanda. Whether he holds on to that role, I don't know. But I think he'll be given another opportunity to be RB two if they don't sign Dalvin Cook. And with that, we are going to call time on this episode of the Jet Press. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to all the listeners. By the way, shout out to Germany, who recently has been. We have had a ton of new German listeners. For whatever reason. So Danke schön for that. <laughs> we got one fellow. We got a guy who speaks German, a guy who used to live in Germany that does not speak German. So Nine. I do not speak any German, but I lived there for three years. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow he got by. I have no idea how. Just <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles his way around Germany, not Google, knowing the language. Google really. Translate with my phone. There you go. <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> hey, it worked. So if you're in Germany or America or wherever you may be listening, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. Wherever it may be that you get your podcast, we are over there. Check us out on YouTube at the Jet Press and TikTok at the Jet Press as we're trying to get that whole little community built up over there. So, Justin, take us home. Speaking of Germany, shout out Kaiser Slaughter. Uh, that's that's around where I live. So there you go. If you if any of our German listeners are around the Kaiser Slaughter area, I, I, you know I got you. My heart Didn't is. Did they just get promoted in the in Bundesliga? I believe. Or Maybe are they in the second? Are they in the second tier now? I, yeah, I, I think they're in the second tier. Anyway, that's people are definitely cool tuning game. in to us talk about second tier German football. There you go. <laughs> oh, look at that! Uh, I call it football. Anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press on Twitter at the Jet Press. You can download Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. Follow us on TikTok as well. Like Mike mentioned before because we are there too. Uh, you guys know what to do at this point. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.